0: Welcome on this Thanksgiving weekend. It's so very good to be with you. Wherever you're joining me from, I'm really glad that we can connect today. I wanna talk to you about when enough is enough. We've all known people that have had burnout, people that hit the lid of their capacity, people that scrape the bottom of their emotional reserves. In fact, given the year that we've had, you might be wondering whether that's happening to you. And I've been wondering, actually, can a whole culture burn out? And if the answer is yes, I'm wondering if that's maybe a chance happening right now in America. Because when I listen to the news, when I scroll through the social media, I feel lots of despair. Uh, There's a whole bunch of pessimism and cynicism and numbness as people are looking toward the future right now. Between a pandemic, a fragile economy, uh, racial tensions, climate instability with extraordinary number of hurricanes and a very stressful election and political tone. It's a very difficult moment. But I'm not here to provide a diagnosis and provide a treatment plan for our nation. I'm here to offer some hope and help if you Are feeling exhausted, if you are feeling burned out and anxious and stressed to the max and angry and indifferent and maybe unmotivated or just feeling enough is enough. I want to point you today uh, toward a scripture in the New Testament and then I want to illustrate it with a story in the Old Testament. As Pastor Corey often reminds us that the world of the Bible is important to understanding the words of the Bible. Apostle Paul wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament, so you may be familiar with his name, but one of the things he wanted more than anything else was to go to Rome to preach the gospel. Now, Rome's a mega city, the most influential crossroads of the world at his time. It was the strategic dream location to make a huge impact, and he finally found himself in Rome, but not the way he had planned. He found himself as a prisoner locked up 24 hours a day to a Roman guard. How many of us know things don't always go as we've planned? But out of that situation where he could have been more anxious than anybody I know right now, not knowing the outcome, not knowing how long he might be there or how uh, possibility whether he would even live or not, he penned these words to the Christians who lived up in Philippi in northern Greece. And this is what he said in Philippians chapter 4. He said, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we just ask that in these moments together that your presence would be evident to all. And I pray, God, that, you would, that we would just be able to cast our cares on you and may your peace from heaven, guard our hearts and our minds and our souls in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. One of the many things that I love about our Cape Christian family is that you all let our pastors be real people. And so I'm going to be real today. I know some churches, people don't want their pastors to be real, they think they're superhuman and want them up on a pedestal, but the truth is, All of us have challenges. I've had challenges in my life and in my ministry when it was so scary and I was in deep anxiety because of it. One of those times that quickly comes to my mind was back in the end of 2007. Another time was in the first half of 2015, 2015. In 2007, you may very well remember that financial crisis was hitting our community in in an extraordinary way. It was hitting our whole nation, and it affected our church. In addition to all of that, in addition, we had a worship pastor that left uh, with a rather divisive spirit, taking two board members and a former staff person with him to start a new church in our city. So that was a very stressful time. The other time in 2015 that I quickly comes to mind when Pastor Wes Furlong was transitioning away from Cape Christian, there was, there was board unrest, there was some disagreement about how that should happen in terms of the timeline and about how Pastor Wes and I had had a plan developed uh, for his replacement And here's how it impacted me personally. I had a major diverticulitis attack. I didn't even know I had diverticulitis. Ended up in the ER and ended up spending five days in the hospital. Uh, That time, not too much longer, about six months later, I ended up with chest pain. I ended up uh, another ER experience uh, with another five-day, four- to five-day hospital stay. Uh, both in that six-month time period, I had anxiety. I realized that I had major anxiety because both of those uh, revealed stress. Those were stress-related illnesses that were impacting me. Now, today I want to remind you of an Old Testament prophet that maybe, like some of you, you can relate to. I know I can relate to him because like us, he really loved God, and he had seen God's faithfulness. He had seen God's power. He had seen the provision of God, He, yet he struggled massively with anxiety. His name was Elijah. Now, if you don't know the context of Elijah, Elijah actually confronted a very evil guy uh, named King Ahab. Elijah called him out, literally, on his sin, and Elijah had given a prophecy of drought that was going to significantly impact the kingdom uh, that uh, Ahab led. And so the king came after him, after Elijah with a vengeance, uh, with all the forces of his his resources and army saying, I'm going to destroy you. Essentially, uh, we're going to kill you. And so they tried for three years. Elijah was on the run for three years, hiding out, and yet the beautiful part of the story is god was faithful god fed him with the, with the bread and the ravens brought him meat from heaven and god used elijah during that time to uh, raise up the dead son of a, of a widow lady Another time, Elijah stood down 850 false prophets up on Mount Carmel. Uh, I mean, that was a a bold uh, thing that he did. It was an incredible story where fire came down from heaven and made a bunch of crispy critters of, of of the false prophets. I mean, and all of this, the power of God showed up in so many ways, miracle after miracle in his life. And then one grumpy person gets up in his grill and Elijah falls completely apart. You can read this story in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19. If you don't know the story, Ahab uh, was, was a pretty bad guy, but he had a wife that made him look like Mother Teresa. I mean, this woman, his wife was named Jezebel and Jezebel. When she got into the picture and inserted herself, she basically said, Honey, if you can't get the job done, then let a woman do it right. And she set out to kill Elijah. And 1 Kings chapter 19, we read that Elijah. Uh, hears this news of what Jezebel said and he falls completely apart. He spirals down into this deep depression and anxiety. Uh, Maybe some of you can relate exactly to this. But I want to show you the story. And when we look at the story, I want you to notice there are really what I would think as four blunders that Elijah made at this time in his life when he had hit the enough is enough limit Of his life that that you might see yourself making maybe one or two or maybe three or even all four of those in seasons of significant struggle and anxiousness, because I know that happens to me. So let me show you in the text in 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're going to start in verse 3. And in verse 3, it says, Elijah was afraid. He's just been told uh, that uh, Jezebel's after him. He was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I mean, that's a story where Elijah is freaking out internally. He's, he's totally afraid. He said, I have had enough. I can't take it anymore. Enough is enough. I'm done. Now, there might be some of you that are in that I can't take it kind of funk right now in your life, where you're th- feeling and thinking, I'm done I've done everything I can I've maybe tried to pay all the bills and if one more thing's break I can't take it anymore or maybe you're in a relationship and it's you're you're trying and you try and you've been trying maybe for years and and maybe it's it's failed again and you're just saying i can't take it i can't take it anymore enough is enough or 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 maybe it's your schedule might be your schedule where you've worked and you worked and you've tried everything and maybe you've been trying to juggle everything maybe it's as a single parent uh, or in some way or another and you're juggling it all and you're working your tail off and, and and you're saying i can't take it anymore. Enough is enough. Well, Elijah couldn't take it. And in this moment, we see in this passage, we actually see that there, there's four blunders that he made, and perhaps they're ones that you can recognize as well. I can look at these missteps and realize that, yes, those are some of mine as well. The first thing that I think we tend to do that Elijah did, that when we've had enough, we run ourselves into the ground. We, we literally run ourselves into exhaustion. He did that physically. I mean, this is the text says that he ran for his life, and he ran all the way to Beersheba, which if you uh, don't know the geography, he ran about 100 miles. I mean, we're talking about four back-to-back marathons in total distance. He ran, he ran, he ran, he ran. He was physically exhausted. He wore himself out. Now, I haven't run even one marathon, but this kind of thing happens to me when I stop taking a day off each week, when I'm somehow started to short myself in my sleep, or I don't take time away. Some of you might even be there right now. You're in a real season of anxiety because you... Maybe don't even realize it, but you've been going way too hard for way too long. And like Elijah, you have run yourself into the ground. The second big blunder that we see here is, as many of us do, we shut people out. Did you notice that? It says he left his servant behind. This was a trusted friend. This is a guy who had been with him through thick and thin through all of the kinds of things he had gone through and victories they had won and everything else. And it says he went off on his own alone. Now, this is one of the reasons that, that we place high value. Uh, it's the heartbeat. One of the heartbeats is, is relationships here at, at Cape Christian. The small groups are an important part. It's the heartbeat of who we are. Without the body of Christ, without others, we are incomplete. We say that life is better uh, in circles than it is in rows is one of the ways we say it. But let me just say, don't shut out the trusted people in your life, especially when you're under stress and you're feeling anxious. The third blunder that he made, and it's the same mistake that we can often make, is we focus on the negative. Here's what he said. Remember, he said, I've had enough. Enough is enough. I'm, 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 I'm ready to give it up. Just, just, just take me now, Lord. I'm no better than my ancestors. I, I, I. It's, it's the very same thing that we do. We start focusing on the negative. Well, my life is so hard. There's just too much on my plate. I'm always getting the short end of the stick. I can't stand these people. I can't stand this job. I don't like where I'm going. I'm always going to suffer. I'm always going to struggle. I'm always going to be broke. I'm never going to be happy. I'm always going to be hurting and so forth. And that always and never kind of thing begins to dominate our vocabulary when we begin to focus on the negative. And that's exactly what I've done before in times of great stress. And then the number uh, four one is perhaps the biggest blunder of all. We forget God. We forget God, uh, which is crazy when you think about it for Elijah because Every step of the way in his story, if you read through uh, 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19 and, and, and even before that, every moment of time, God was present. God was faithful. God's power was visible in his life. God's provision was real in his life in so many ways. And even though God had been faithful, Elijah did what so many of us do. He was facing his problems while forgetting his God. And the crazy thing about Elijah is that his name alone should have been a great reminder of comfort for him in the middle of an anxious time. Because literally, Elijah's name is the combination of two names of God, Elohim and Yahweh. And his name literally means, the Lord is my breath or the Lord is my source, God is my source, God is my, my strength, my God is my sustainer, God is my, my, my breath, it's, it's, it's the part that keeps me going. And yet knowing all of that, his God was near, Elijah fell totally apart. Now how did God respond? How did God respond? What's the matter with you, boy? you have little faith, get up and get going? No, not at all. That's not how God responded. God met Elijah at his point of need. He said, I want to show you something. And in fact, if you go just a little further in 1 Kings chapter 19 in verses 11 and following, you will see it. He said, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper, a gentle whisper. There it is. The Lord is my breath, a gentle breath. I mean, the earth shook, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. The wind howled, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. The fire raged, but the Lord was not in the fire. Earth, wind, and fire. And for your older ones like me, that's a little nod to remember the great band of the 70s and 80s, earth, wind, and fire. But the Lord was in the whisper. The Lord was in the whisper. He was in the gentle breeze. He was in the fact of close proximity, not in the big thing. Here's what I love about that. It tells us this, God was not in the remarkable, but God was in the ordinary. I really believe, and I've seen this so many times, when we're hurting, when we're afraid, when we're overwhelmed? Why doesn't God sometimes speak in the loud ways? Why does God whisper? He whispers because he's close. He whispers to draw us close. Let me just say as a parent and as a grandparent, here's one of the secrets. Learn to whisper to your kids and your kids will quiet down and they'll come close. If you yell all the time, they're going to move as far away as possible from you. You see, and God whispers. Think about it. The contrast is that the devil shouts his lies in our heads. His voice is always condemning. His voice is filled with accusation. You'll never be enough. You'll never make it through. You'll always be this. You'll always be that. But God whispers. God whispers. He whispers things like, I'm always with you, even till the end of the age. I'm always good. I'm always working in all things. Nothing can separate you from my love. Nothing. He whispers things like, neither height nor depth nor anything else will able to separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Why does God whisper? I believe he whispers because he's near. He's close by. Now, I know anxiety can be a complex thing, and it's it's not just a one-answer type of issue. For some of you, it might be a change of diet that you maybe need and you maybe need to consult with a dietician or maybe it's exercise that you need and you need to join a gym or develop an exercise plan of some sort and others. For some, it might be a chemical imbalance. Uh, you might need help from, from doctors or in uh, and, and meds. For some of you, you might need to process some issues and you mean, might need some help from a counselor. But my point is this, God almost always works through the ordinary things that are available to us because he's near. He will help us through the ordinary things, not rarely the spectacular. Now, it's funny when you look at the Elijah story, actually, almost humorous. uh, What was his greatest fear? What was his greatest fear? His greatest fear was, I'm going to die. Jezebel's going to kill me. I'm going to die. If you fast forward to the end of the story, later on, he's walking along with his protege, his successor, Elisha, and God sends a chariot from heaven. I mean, we're talking about a horse in a royal taxi service from heaven, swept Elijah right off the earth, and he never, ever faced and tasted Physical death, he never died. The one thing that he feared the most never happened. That's a good lesson in itself. You could say he was anxious for nothing. And I really believe that even at this moment, right now, somebody actually needs to know that the vast majority of what you worry about is not gonna happen. Most of it never ever does. The vast majority never happens. And therefore, we we are actually anxious for nothing. And the vast majority doesn't happen. And maybe sometimes it does happen. It's not as bad as we thought it was going to be. And there again, we're anxious for nothing. Now, every now and then, it does happen. Maybe it's bad. Maybe it's even worse than what we ever thought. But the good news is, the goodness of God is always there to carry us through. And you know, that's what I found in my uh, own anxiety uh, a few years ago, where God got me through. God got Cape Christian through. The worst things that I imagine and laid awake at night uh, thinking about never ever happened because He's always faithful. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us because he is that breath. He is that strength. He is that source in our lives. And that's exactly why Apostle Paul, chained up to a Roman guard, not knowing his future, he could say, do not be anxious about anything. He he could say, in the middle of all of this, we can rejoice in the Lord always because God is near, because he's near. He whispers because he's close to us. We don't have to be anxious about anything. But with prayer, he says, and with thanksgiving, just let your requests be made known to God. And he says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart's and your minds and your souls in Christ Jesus. This is what I want to make sure you remember today. When enough is enough, God is enough. Let's pray. So we trust in you, Father. And we just ask that now by the power of the name that is above every name, that even in the midst of what might be some very severe severe trials and very significant anxiety and maybe some deep worry and lots of fear and some doubts and insecurity, God, that we might experience the peace from heaven that goes beyond our human ability Understand. So, Father, I thank you for your presence that's meeting each of us even in this moment because you know every single need of every person. And I pray, Jesus, that you would be actively engaged somehow and involved in more than anything else, that we would sense your presence now, that you would be that Emmanuel, God with us. And, God, even in your own way, would you just whisper that you know to each person? each person, that you care, that you're involved, that you're working even when we don't sense it, and that you're active, God, even when we don't see it, and that you are always enough. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.